this past weekend is any indication of what's in store for the Toronto Maple Leafs all season long, well, then maybe we should just start a little differently on Monday. So wherever you are, walking, talking, driving, stop what you're doing, close your eyes, and have a listen. This relaxation script can be practiced at any time to help you reduce your level of anxiety or physical discomfort. We begin with a deep breathing exercise to help you begin to relax. We will then move to a passive muscle relaxation exercise to help you to relax all of the muscles of your body. Finally, we will focus on a visualization exercise to deepen your state of relaxation. Let's start with some deep breathing. Sammy, that was for you, my friend, and your Leaf Nation. Breathe, Sammy. Two, three, four, five. Out. Two, three, four, five. Welcome to Mindful Mondays on the Real <laughs> Kipper and Born Show. That's it. Feel better? Everybody feel better? Uh, I, I don't know. I feel like I need a cathartic rage release still. <laughs> I feel like Sammy, that, that pent it up. Don't tell me. me you don't feel great right now. Rejuvenated. I, you can put. Six games behind you right now. Can you not? Kipper, I did not see this coming, buddy. You really surprised me with this, bud. Uh, yeah. A nice touch. We can all put it behind us, and uh, they'll be fine. All right. Uh, see, you <laughs> see you tomorrow on Real Kipper and Board. <laughs> That's not the real Kipper. <laughs> the one thing that I've kind of learned over my career is that you're never really as good as anyone says you are, but you're also not as bad yeah somewhere jb there's an in-between for the toronto maple leafs i tried making that point on the morning show and i got rolled over by old jd bunkus but it is a completely accurate take the uh the uh, i don't want to say hyperbole because it's bad it's real real bad but it's it's not as disastrous as some will have you believe the relaxed opening kipper was really a good way to lead us in. A good way to lead us in today. Oh, it sucked all the juice out of Sammy. That's the problem, though. Yeah, he was coming out with venom. He had a little bit. He had he had what I think what we saw on the weekend. And we're not gonna mix words here, man. It's it is ugly. Yeah. It is it's ugly in, in Leaf Nation, and there's there's losses. And then there's a lot of losses, a little bit. The, the, the loss Saturday night was a little too close to humiliation that you suffered in the last three games of the playoff round. It was that. And it was the last time they got the catharsis of having a coach fired. They lost six, one in Pittsburgh two years ago in November day before Babcock got fired. This, it felt like one of those losses. And I'm not saying that uh, anything's happened to the coach or should, I'm just saying this is, Fans are used to getting some release after that much humiliation and embarrassment. So, the, as I said, there's, there's, there's the wide range of 
you're, you're not as great as you thought you were. Uh, you're, you're not, we believe, as bad as you showed Saturday night. But even for Leaf Nation, if you're not, if you're not as good as you are or you thought you were, then this is this is bad. You know, Sam's point right? about it is that it's not game six, it's year six. And that's why the frustration's so high. So where are they, Sam? I mean, there is for me, there is a level of concern on on many levels here. Many. We're that not this talking isn't about a blip. This, this is a this, trend. This is not this is this is a they're leaking away a little bit here. So the question is, what gets patched up? What doesn't? And where do they go from here? So if if we want to go on, on Friday, let's go back to Friday. Yeah, let's start there. And then let's start there because it is it is a collective weekend here. It's just not about Saturday night. It started it started Friday against San Jose. And we did we did have a very in-depth conversation about the goaltending situation. And we had spoken about the thought of Hutchinson starting Friday night, which could only mean one thing, that as a, as a coaching staff, as a management staff, JB, that this should be a win regardless. This will not come down to goaltending for us to beat San Jose after a week of rest and then playing three out of four. Yeah, you know, it's your... San Jose is coming off a back-to-back and traveling, which they're supposed to be already not a great team. That's what you call a schedule loss for San Jose. You come into Toronto and it's, you think even if you play Hutchinson, he gives up an extra one, a goal that, you know, maybe Campbell wouldn't, you should still be able to find a way to win. Um, There was no, no pulse there. A a lot of frustration. I kind of want to pull it out to the, to the bigger view of, uh, of what's going on right now. Do, instead of uh, starting with the exact San Jose game, do you want, do you want to get those clips that we have, or do you want to do? Well, you're talking about uh, Muzzin and Marner, yeah. how there might be a little bit of a different feel within the dressing room on, on how urgent this situation is. Yeah. Let's have a listen. Obviously not good enough. Um, you know, we come out a little slow. We get our game going. We give up a few and we, you know, we let them take over and we have no fight. Um, you know, we got outworked, out-competed. Um, you know, so we got to go back to the drawing board. That was Jake Muzzin. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, he strikes at the core of what Leafs fans want to hear from these guys, that they care, that it matters, right? That it's important, that it's dire early, and you can't afford to be given standings point away in a, in a tough division like this. Back to the drawing board. Right. Which means erase everything that we've done up until this point, that we got we to gotta start from the beginning again. And then you have the other side of things. Uh, Mitch Marner had this to say. Uh, I mean, I don't think we can be concerned. Uh, we're still early in the season. Obviously, it's not what we wanted, but um, obviously, uh, day off tomorrow in Carolina, fresh page. Um, just make sure... Uh, you know, we go over what we did wrong tonight. Um, we know a lot of things we did wrong. We got to make sure we're covering each other, helping each other out out there. We didn't do a very uh, good job that tonight. So just got to make sure, uh, you know, we get ready for Carolina. It's obviously a good team over there. Got to make sure uh, we bounce back. 
So where are you? Vast, vastly different. Yeah. Totally different pages. Well, I, I, I think, though, when, when, we, when we speak of Mitch Marner now and his sound bites, uh, we're, we're talking about a guy that uh, is already on the edge, has lost all faith in the media and all faith of, of what he, if he's not reading himself, people are telling him all about it in, in social media. Mm-hmm. So everything is underwhelmed with Mitch Marner from here on in. I don't think it's a real objective look. He's a scorned athlete right now, JB. Okay, he's been burned. And I think right now to to go to him for a clear view is not possible. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Right? Like he's uh he's trying to get through every interview without saying anything that we talk about on here. And I don't mean that about our show. I mean about generally the media and the fans. I I think right now he's, he's barely hanging on right now to, to whatever composure he may have. Kipper, he's been awful. No, he he's lost Justin. He's, he's been, he's awful, but Austin Matthews played the worst game of his career Friday night. And I know it's coming off of, uh, a lengthy uh, off-season uh, surgery, all of that. But he was awful Friday, and he wasn't much better Saturday. So you think Matthews is as much a problem as Marner after these last two games? I think right now they, like I said, the the this, this, the engine light is flashing like crazy. On, do do on we agree car. it's the number one issue, though? Like the, the, of the big guys? Of course it's your big boys. But... When Mitch is at his best, you see joy out of the guy. Yes. Remember the air guitar and the singing on the bench and the just like. Oh, yeah. High fives and having a great time. Great time. And that's not a criticism. That was awesome. It's gone. Mm -hmm. He has lost for the first time probably ever. I bet it is ever the in his joy, career. The joy to come to the rink and play the game, and you can see it. He doesn't remotely look like the player he used to be. The creativity, the confidence, uh, holding on to the puck a little longer and then making spectacular plays, that's gone. Mitch, his whole life, will never be a shooter, okay? I don't know what happened to him, but... He is not a shooter. He's come out the last little while. Everyone wants to talk about the shot improving. So he wants to prove that it's it's not the the muffin that everybody says it is, but it's not who he is. He is the number one playmaker on the Toronto Maple Leafs by a country mile. Mm-hmm. And that part is gone out of his game. It's so funny. We talk on this show about all the different things that go wrong and, and they can do different. And we'll get into all of them over the course of the next two hours, particularly, you know, I wrote a little bit about Nick Ritchie today and uh, you know, people talk about the um, you know, the D pairs or the goaltending, but all of it starts and ends with these guys. If they don't yeah. get it figured out, nothing matters. It doesn't matter what you do at the fringes. So what you have to do is figure out how, how to get them engaged and activated yeah. and back to being their best. And for Marner, it looks like he needs a month on a beach with Jimmy Buffett and drinking margaritas more than he needs to like be no. told to bear down. No, I, I think you're wrong. What he needs is some reinforcements. 
What he needs. You've seen Kyle Dubé. It was all or nothing. They came in and said, hey, we love you. You're the best. You're the best, kid. What else can you do yeah, for this No, guy? I mean, yeah, that, that's a fair point. But right now, he just feels like from a public point of view mm-hmm. that I don't think he's feeling a lot of love he right can't win, now. Right? Behind the scenes, if, if Kyle says, uh, we love you, uh, here's a hug, here's a pat on the back, uh, the back, that's fine. But he's going not in here, out there. Yeah. I'm getting eaten up. It's a jungle out there. I'm getting killed right now. I need I need you to hug me out there. I don't need it in here. Mm-hmm. I need it now out there. I, like You know like, Mike Babcock they're, they're, would say? You make your confidence. Yeah. You make your own confidence. You go, you play well, you score goals, people say nice things about you. Yeah. <laughs> is that a little Babcock, Sammy? <laughs> it's just yeah, a tiny is. Babcock. Yeah, a little Babcock. Listen. I, I I just think that there's a, a different there's a different scope for Marner than anyone else on this team. Yeah. And I think if Marner had the game that Matthews had against San Jose, he would have been whatever whatever he rip job he had on the weekend, it would have been tenfold. There's a there's a there's a sense. You thought that, he was awful, eh, Matthews? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like he, he looked to me like a guy that wanted to break Rick Vive's record in one night. The cheating that went on for Austin Matthews on on the weekend, like it's what I said to you before the before he even came back. I'd rather him score forty goals. I don't need fifty five if they're all like all about you and 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 shooting the puck and getting to the net. Goes back to my conversation. Elite centermen are guys that can dish as well as they can shoot. And right now he's just focused on shooting. And I don't see an elite centerman right now for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, against the Rangers that first night, he sure looked like one, you know, his first night out. It's, it was, it no, was a bad he looked, couple of He games. looked like a goal scoring winger to me. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Not an elite centerman. And I think he just needs to, he, he needs to figure out to be a threat by moving the puck as well as shooting it. And right now, I just think he came out hot to 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 put the puck in the net, and and that needs to be revisited. But you know, Mitch, Mitch, right now, they they've got a problem on their hands, and and Sheldon and Kyle and Sh- Brendan Shanahan have got to get a little joy back in his game somehow. That, that's their responsibility. Sam, it's, Sammy, it's, it is Marner's responsibility. But he needs help. He does. Sammy, where, where are you on where, what we're talking about well, here? I want to go back to those two clips that we played. And we don't, we don't have to play them, Derek, but we know what they were said and how the, the tone of both those clips. And I really feel that that's almost a microcosm for the way that Leaf Nation's feeling about this team. I still think there's a really big half of Leaf Nation. Maybe not half. I would say it's less than half now. That's really in the camp of believing in Dubas and believing in this team and saying, eh, we'll be fine. We're not concerned. And I'd say the majority of Leaf fans are in the Jake Muzzin camp saying, yeah, we're getting, we're outworked every night. This is what's happening every night. I can't watch this every night. Like it's, I think it's really kind of split down the middle. I, I, we talked about this in one of in our first week about how all the different fans of this team, it's kind of been pit against each other. And it's just, I, I, I think those two clips are a perfect little microcosm for the way that Leaf fans are feeling about this team. So let's look at the, uh, the help that maybe Sheldon may give Matthews and Marner tonight which includes splitting them up. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. 
that to me is a sign of we're going to try to get out of this and I'm going to give you a, a different look tonight. That's a good thing by Sheldon Keefe. I like it a lot. They've got bunting now with Matthews and Nylander. Again, I don't see bunting any more of a, of a 16 or 17 minute guy any more than I saw Nick Ritchie as that guy. Can bunting and Ritchie both play up and down the lineup and, and hang in there and no. not look out of place. They can on occasion, but they're yeah. not top six guys. For me, the Richie thing is like such a conundrum because, you know, after the Friday game, we started talking about the Friday game um, and, you know, Sheldon was asked uh, about Nick Richie. Um, I don't know if we, do, if we have a, that clip or not, but we do. Okay. Well, let's play that clip about Nick Richie. It's not a, not an appropriate question. There's nothing about Richie's game that's lazy. He's, he's finding his way. I'm just getting to the um, when he was benched after Carlson goal. There wasn't much of an effort during his part to cover that man. It just seemed to be, you know, the Carlson goal from the blue line. Again, it's not an appropriate question. I, I mean, it's a turnover. It's a turnover. He's trying to hold the lane. It's just being on the inside, and the puck goes on the other side. I think we're reaching there. You can not reach. No, no. What led to the benching then, Nick Why did you look at that say I think you're looking at it the wrong way. You know, I, we we get scored on. Uh, the, it was more to me about the fact that that line wasn't going today. It's you should be asking as many questions about Matthews and Marner today as you should be, Rich. I would love to drop the coach translator under Sheldon's head there, so you could hear him directly tell someone to to f themselves. I was as mad as Sheldon will let himself get in the media. So that was Friday night about uh, Nick Ritchie's performance where you mentioned that Austin Matthews and Sheldon Keith mentioned it too, were as deserving of blame as anyone. But the fact for me remains that Ritchie was so bad and that Sheldon Keith trying to help him out and block reporters and block the stories and try to get some good vibes in for Ritchie. Terrible again the next night. Every time the puck touches the guy's stick in the offensive zone, ozone possession dies. So now he's going to be on the fourth line where he's going to have almost no chance to generate anything at all, let alone good vibes. I just don't see how this ends well for Richie. You can't play him down the lineup. He's not a defensive player. I just don't see where this is going. Well, they're going to, they're going to have to make it work even at the, the fourth line level. And if it means Richie playing eight minutes a night, he better find a way to contribute in eight minutes. I think at times... Right, that's what Spets has been able to do at eleven or twelve minutes. His is with his his is with offense, and an occasional look on a on a power play, but that's up to each and every individual. I I didn't mind Sheldon Keefe, and the way he kind of played that and that 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 exchange was with Terry uh, Koshen from the Toronto Sun, who I've got a lot of time for. Yeah, I think he works guy. hard. I think he he does great work, but I do think. Sheldon was right when when he questioned if it was an appropriate question. And I only say that because it's Terry's opinion that he's lazy. I would have liked to seen Terry or anyone else say, I think maybe he might be lazy, but what do you think, Sheldon? Is 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 mm. is Nick Ritchie in your eyes uh, lazy? Is being lazy an issue with Nick Ritchie? That, to me, would have given him a chance to say, no, he's not. Mm-hmm. I don't believe he is, and I don't believe... I don't think anyone comes to the Maple right? Leafs not trying. Well, 
you know, sorry, I shouldn't say that. Not anyone, but a guy who's from Toronto, New Deal, you know. I look at, I've watched watched Nick Ritchie very closely here, and I I don't see laziness. I see perhaps foot speed being an issue, quickness. uh, It's the opposite of dynamic. Being able to read and react quickly enough, lateral movement, uh, late on a forecheck. There's a lot of things going on here. But I, I don't I don't look at it first and say, why well, he's just lazy, he's just not trying to be there. So I, I like Sheldon protecting Nick Ritchie in that capacity. Yep. I, I really did. And I'm okay with him drawing Marner and Matthews in the equation because they weren't very good. And it is a bigger picture here on, you know, it certainly would help Nick Ritchie. And I'm not saying that it would be enough to cover up for Nick Ritchie if Marner and Matthews were on fire right now, but there's a really good chance uh, Sheldon doesn't take that Terry coaching question or anything else regarding Nick Ritchie if his star players were performing. Yeah, so I've got an article up on sportsnet.ca right now about Ritchie and the lines and how to make them, and there's in terms of trying to salvage him, there's no doubt it would be a lot better if Matthews and Marner had been going, right? Like these, these guys are supposed to toe the line. The entire thing is built. So a huge percentage of your cap space is built into these four guys and they're supposed to pull the whole thing, the whole operation. And when they don't, they can't make anyone better. So it does come down to those guys at the end of the day. I also don't think they're not trying. I just, you know, in the media, we often look at guys and identify problems and fans, they identify problems, trying to find solutions or another story. And that's what coaches do. So, with Marner and Matthews, I'm stuck. Like Matthews, I think he'll come. He's off of surgery. He's had, you know, one out of three good games. Marner, though, you know, you mentioned having fun and mentioned finding a way for those guys to, he's the one where I'm stuck on. I just, I don't know what you do about him. Well, he, he looked like he was having the fun all the time before the contract. And it really hasn't looked like the fun has been there necessarily since he signed that contract. Do you hear BX to say that his wife would tell him to take less? So that uh, he didn't have to deal yeah. with that? Well, I did hear him say that, and that, that's great insight. And I just, like, Kipper, I mean, you're ta- we're talking about, about Marner here. Isn't, you know, you sign 11 million bucks in this market, can't, don't you have to expect that, like, from the outside? What, what, what do you expect when uh, you sign that big contract? I, I think, listen, they're not, they're not dumb guys, and they, don't, they have a lot of uh, advisors and they've got a lot of... Uh, advise them to get all the money they can. Well, no, but they also have advised them that you know what's coming in this market and right. the pressure that comes with it, and you can speak of it, and Marner grew up in it. Austin was a lot more sheltered in Arizona, and if you haven't noticed, he's one of the first guys to leave town and one of the last guys to arrive <laughs> Bye. when the season stops <laughs> yeah. and starts. Yeah. Marner lives and breathes it, and... He knows it. Nowhere to go. And the the one thing like I've I've the one thing I've always said is that because Marner's contract was the last one, it's the one that everyone's gonna remember the most on why the Leafs salary cap is screwed as badly as it is. He does get blamed mm-hmm. for asking for the most amount of money for the guy that was really expected to be 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 given that type of number. Like everybody had him at seven or eight. And, you know, when it's all said and done, they they might have not been wrong in terms of, you know, where probably the comfort 
level would have been for everybody, but they blew it out of the water with with Tavares at 11, and then Matthews came in at 11-6, and that's when yeah. doesn't doesn't take a genius to understand that you know Mitch isn't 11. Things you can but live with it if he plays like last off. year, right? You but can live with it if he plays like last that's, year. That's that's Mitch is the he's the pincushion for Leaf fans yeah. and continues to be that guy. And I don't know now more than ever he deserves I, I, it. I don't though. know this how long his time it can go to be the, to take that. He deserves it right now. He's not he's not living up to the money. It's you know we're six games in off a bad playoff round where it's like okay when you know it just can't go on like this, right? No, 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 no. He's either going to have to get better. Yeah. The team's going to have to get better and they're going to have to get out of the first round. And I don't know yeah. where the acceptance is in leaf nation, even a second round and out. I don't know. Yeah. Right. It's like, I, maybe they need to get to a conference final or is there a sense of urgency with three years left on Matthew's deal before he walks for free, that this is their best chance this year that the team with no Morgan Riley next year, because you can't pay him eight or $9 million. It's actually going to make them worse. You know, we had this conversation with Zach Hyman. You got to win. Now we said last year with Zach, because you you're going to lose him and you can't replace him. Right. And it was, it's true. They, they looked better. They looked stronger last year than they do this year. That's funny. As I saw in the Toronto star today, an article that mentioned that, uh, the Leafs front office is not uh, view this as a all or nothing year. They didn't use the all or nothing phrase. Was, uh, you know, it was like, th- this is not the, the last kick at the can for the Leafs. And it was like, ah, boy, it sure feels like we made it the last stand. Wasn't that the, the phrasing, you know, for this season it, you know, the point is that these core guys have more years on their contract, but it feels urgent. It feels like it's this year or it's not going to stay together. Um, you know, again, you're going to have Riley, another guy that's going to be up and probably gone. Campbell's going to need more money. It feels like it's now or never. So does, when you guys watch the Leafs, does it look like a team that knows that? Does it look like a team that's gripping the stick too tight? Is it grip like that? They know that this is a sort of, you know, a do or die season. Like Mitch Marner has not only been not, pre- he has one point. Oh, he's six been terrible. Games. He's been terrible. He hasn't scored a goal yeah. and dating back to, you know, Last se- it's been 14 games since he's scored a goal. Like he's in a big time slump. It's it's lasted throughout a summer. Here. How many points does he have? One, one point. One point. He has one point. Okay. In six games. And it's just and, not Marner. And, and Tavares. And, a night. and Tavares. Three. 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 And Matthews now. Zero. Zero. In three. Zero. And even Willie. Okay. Great start. Been yeah. ice cold. Okay, but great start. Mm-hmm. Noticeable. I like the fact that he he back checks now and he. He bumps people off the <laughs> it's puck. Funny that that's a thing, but yes, it is great. But four points, mm-hmm. like Mitch could get three points tonight and lead and be tied for the lead and score uh, the Leafs in scoring. Like I mean, he's he's one game away from two or three points and and being right back there. It's he's gonna it's gonna happen. Here's the thing, though, Kipper. Okay, they're all bad right now at right. the same time, and they're going to get better, no doubt. So we're gonna sit here in two weeks. And the Leafs are going to have gone on a run and the boys will have gotten some points and we're going to go, all right, they got it figured out. But it, it'll it be covering up underlying issues that this team has when it gets to the playoffs that they are so important and they can't win without those guys. When those guys play well they, or don't play well, they lose. Full stop. No, that, no, no. 
They get humiliated. They get humiliated when they, they don't, don't play lose. well. Right. They just don't lose. <laughs> so we're looking at next playoffs, the same as last playoffs. If those guys get shut down, what is the plan? And, you know, Tavares gets hurt in the playoffs last yeah. year, and all of a sudden the team is toothless. That's the concern for this team. Not that they can't win because they can. They can beat any team any night. They can win a playoff series against any team in this league, too. If those guys play well, and if one of them is off, they're screwed. There needs to be some sort of depth somewhere else, some alternative plan. Which there's never going to be with this cap structure. I don't, when we look at this lineup and the way it's built, and I, I want to get into this for sure, but let's just clean up what we saw on the weekend okay, first. Okay, okay. And then we'll get into yeah, a no bigger way. picture yeah. of, of the Leafs. Okay. okay? But uh, off the top, I, 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 we talked about the goaltending scenario, and I said it, it, it's fine if you go uh, Hutchinson yes. on Friday and your best goalie in a very tough environment 24 hours later in Pittsburgh to try to win. But you need – the only way you get a chance to look good is if you win both games. Maybe if you got three out of four, but – it just I was with you. backfired completely. And what you when you thought that you didn't need great goaltending Friday night, you needed it. I have I have a, a strong belief if Jack is as solid as he's been throughout training camp and to start the season, at the very least the Leafs get a point out of Friday. He makes one to two more saves there, and it's yeah. It, it it maybe goes down as another overtime loss like the New York Rangers, but they're Sammy in want it. to run a victory lap on that they're, one. They're in it, but it ended up being a, it's hard being right it, all the time, it, boys. Hey, <laughs> it ended up being a bad mistake. It did by Sheldon Keefe starting Hutchinson on Friday when you have to take the points at home. Yeah, it, there there is some irony in being concerned about getting Hutchison, putting him in a position to succeed yeah. when you're putting Campbell in a position to fail on the tail end of a back-to-back -back with travel. I mean, God, it's killing me not making the joke, but at least they were well-rested, right? At least they went into Pittsburgh with an extra hour of sleep thanks to the 6 p.m. puck drop. The best way I can sum up dressing Hutchison first in Friday's game and not Saturday is Hutchison had everything to lose and nothing to gain with a win. Because mm -hmm. he was put in that spot where he should win. He should win. They're tired. You're at home. Your team's well-rested. You've had all these practices. You've, Like I said, you've got everything to lose and nothing to gain. And you needed to switch it around on Hutchison where he needed to go into Saturday and he's got everything to gain and nothing to lose. Like we got two points. We don't expect the win here. You go, yeah. Right? And I like... But you know what it was? The, you, it you, was ambitious. You, they you, wanted both. They they got greedy. Yeah. They absolutely got greedy. It's probably a fundamental miscalculation of what they are. They probably think they're considerably better than San Jose. Turns out the Sharks might be a pretty good hockey team. Like if the Sharks are a playoff team and Pittsburgh's a playoff team, maybe we look back at the you know end of the season and go, that was a lot tougher weekend than it looked going into it. Yeah, I got to wait uh, a little longer than that before <laughs> okay. I... Uh, not going to crown get, the Sharks, the a, playoff Sharks team. A, a playoff team just yet. So if, if, we, if we talk about moving forward now and and uh looking at that goaltending situation that didn't work out on the weekend we also have to look at that blue line and i can't tell you again i i thought i thought austin was as worse as i've ever seen him and i'm not sure muzzin has been that much better like the decisions the falling down in the neutral zone uh, justin hall 
doesn't know whether to pinch or stay back. He's caught the the odd man rushes coming mm-hmm. back the other way. This this blue line has been nothing short of a disaster to start this season. Yeah, on the uh, you know what is he minus six minus the the two of them in a bit on on the ice for nine or ten goals against at even strength, which is just unbelievably poor for your defensive pair through six games of the season. The concern for me is that Jake Muzzin is a guy who in back-to-back postseasons has had non-contact injuries. His body has just said, ah, I'm good. I can't do it anymore. And that's, you know, because the guy has been through it. He's got miles on, man. He's a workhorse. And at some point that's going to catch up in the regular season. And it looks like it has. And if he is, this is not a blip and he is this player Justin Hall is significantly worse too because he's been a crutch for Hall. So now you've got a shutdown pair that it can't shut anyone down. And that to me is almost, you almost can't come back from that, from the, for this team. Cause you got your four forwards that are going to score. And then you've got your decor that was significantly improved. If you don't have a shutdown pair anywhere in there, I, ah, you're not winning a Stanley cup, <laughs> let alone making playoffs probably. And the issue now is if Muzzin and Hall, your your shutdown pair, are collectively minus twelve. Uh, where does that leave Sandin, Dermott, uh, Brody, and Riley? And uh, and where's Riley's head right now? Is it about playing the last year of his deal? Is it about thinking that he needs to produce? Is it a, like is is it, is it is he- it really wrapped around? Is he? Is he playing scenarios that I'm the next Zach Hyman right now? Like he's looked fine to me, Riley. I haven't noticed him in any direction, good, bad, or otherwise. Uh, otherwise, he's been fine enough. You know what concerns me with this D is there's no way to rejig the pairs that make you feel any better. So right now it's Riley Brody, Muzzin Hall, Sandin Durbin. How do you how do you change that? The only thing you can do is go Riley Hull, which is a terrible pair because defensively Riley has his gaffes and Hall's the same way, but relies on Muzzin. So Muzzin Brody'd be great, but then what? Like, I just don't see any way to fix it. If Sandine gets way better, he might become Morgan Riley, but they're the same guy left side. No, no, no he's not going to, he's not going to, you can't, you're, you're flirting past 12, 13 minutes for Sandin. So the the point is there's no way to rejig this six. Lilligren can't go. He, he's not, let's not even, can we, have that can discussion. we end that experiment? Let, let's, let's not discuss that. Like, if someone's hurt, he's got to play, fine. But, like, no. So, I just don't see how you fix the D. To me, it comes down to their four elite forwards need to be better. I don't want to pour salt on a wound here, but that checking line didn't look much like they were checking. (laughs) Oh, man. Sammy, what happened at camp? The number one shutdown guy (laughs) in the league. I I still, listen it's really hard to evaluate after that game on Saturday night because after those two pucks went in the net and they went down 3-1, they just all stopped playing. And that's what Muzzin talked about. There was just no really good effort from anybody throughout that. So I still have kind of liked Camp's game, but he's just going to give you nothing offensively. I think he may be better suited as a fourth-line guy if you're going to have somebody, you know, to that can maybe produce in the third line, in the third line center spot. But, yeah, I... It's conversations we can be talking about all the different things that we want to do, but you guys are right. It just comes down to Matthew shooting it in the net, Marner shooting it in the net, Tavares shooting it in the net, and Willie shooting it in the net. If Camp, that doesn't happen, they're not going to look great. Camp is zeros across the board, yeah. minus five with four shots. He's in dash five, five, eh? Yeah, worst on the team, actually, among forwards. So, Big Guys brings us to a conversation about something that should be a strength for this team, the power play. 
Mm. How, how are you feeling about that, Sammy? Did you like how that looked on the weekend? So I, I've watched a lot of hockey in my life, probably not as much as you guys have, and I've been to a lot of hockey games. And, you know, whenever it happens in a, in a, in a game, when a guy gets tripped or a guy gets cross-checked, uh, Rafi puts his arm up and it's like, oh, the whole barn goes crazy because it's like, oh, yeah, we got a power play here. I've never watched a hockey team, let alone uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs, with all this talent that they have. I've never watched the momentum be sapped out of a game like it is when the Toronto Maple Leafs get a power play. I don't know what it is. I don't know. They, they get out there. They can barely enter the zone. They can't complete a pass. And I don't understand why not, guys. I just don't understand why they can't look better on the power play with the amount of money spent on these guys, with the amount of talent. Why... Does it happen that their power play saps energy out of games? Because it happens almost every game where the whole building's excited for it and nothing ever happens. Why? Can can you decline? <laughs> defer. <laughs> defer. <laughs> defer. Defer. Please. Oh. Yeah, they're just they're just not gonna do that. Um, you know, it being a failing for this team last year in the, in the postseason, to me, Sammy, it's like you can have a power play that is extremely well structured and you can put out basically anyone on your team on it and you say, okay, here's our formation. We're going to zip it around. You guys stand in these spots and the guys do it really well. It'll work. Or you can put really talented guys and let them free flow and use their creativity and it'll work. You can't have whatever this is where they're caught in the middle and have it look like last year in the postseason. Let's listen to what Sheldon Keefe had to say about the power play after uh, the last game there. Oh, Oh boy. Just not on the same page, fighting it, not executing. A lot of the same stuff we saw last season, to be honest, and not nearly good enough. Oh, boy. And that's where I think Sheldon should look in the mirror, too. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. And I've I've been on enough teams to know that your star players can easily get frustrated um, to the point where they're out of ideas. Right? They're exasperated. And you have to look over your shoulder on the bench and say, I, I need some help here. And the, the onus is on Sheldon Keep and his, and his staff. Now, Manny Maholtra had it last year and, and lost it in terms of, I think, major control over the power play. Mm-hmm. And Eventually, now, Sheldon stepped in. And now they've give, they, they hired a guy out of Hershey. His name's Spencer Carberry. Uh, Carberry. Now, I, I don't know him well. I think he comes in with some nice credentials in the American Hockey League. But this is a guy who has no NHL experience. Zero. Yeah. Okay? And no reputation when the guys are now talking to him. He, so he has to come into this new environment and he has to earn his his keep. It's it's not like And again, I I'm not saying that these guys cannot go on to be great NHL coaches and have fantastic careers. I'm not saying that. But I'm, what I'm saying is that if you had a Matthews and a Marner or a Morgan Riley, and you had a a Rick Tockett behind the bench, or you had even Mark Savard 
Mark was doing Sportsnet stuff a few years ago. The next thing I know, uh, he's been hired by a couple of NHL teams, and the focus is the power play. Someone like Newell Brown, who's with Vancouver, and he's been with great power play units historically, to say, here's what's worked in the NHL over the past decade. But if you have none of it, it's still a harder sell. I'm not saying it's an impossible sell, but for Spencer now to come in with no experience and the guys know nothing about you and you call them in and you say, all right, this is what we're going to do. And we're going to put Mitch in the bumper position. We're going to copy the Tampa Bay lightning and we're all going to look like geniuses. And if it doesn't work, you're, you're behind the eight ball. Spencer's behind the eight ball right now because they've, they've, whatever they've tried in the first six games, they're going to go back and say, who are you? Like, 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 you know, it's tough. Why, too. why do I want to listen to you? Look at me right now. I'm getting killed because everybody's jamming the 10.9 down my throat on a, on your power play. Yeah. That sucks right Created now. Zero looks for me. So, and far. that's the hard thing. It's a hard thing now for, for Spencer now to go, Hey, hey guys, I, I, I know that didn't work, but come, 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 come and listen to my plan B. Okay, we're going with plan B tonight. Six games in, you're selling on plan B. It's just I'm, hard. I'm, I'm. <laughs> here's, the, here's the thing with Sheldon is that when you're the head coach, you have people who are in charge of different things on your team. This guy's running the PK. This guy's doing that and all sorts of different roles. When they go poorly, the head coach goes, okay, I'm, I'm stepping in here. Listen, here's what's going to happen, and you step in. At this point, Sheldon Keefe has to be saying already – all right, this isn't working. I'm going to take the reins here. We got to do something different. We got to get this sorted out. I mean, what's it at? 15% on the season? I, I mean, I'm throwing stuff at the wall like anyone else, but I'm still saying Mitch Marner PP too. I'm still saying it. I just, unless you want them on power play one flank and you want two even units and you give them a minute each, everyone wants to be the Washington Capitals with Ovi. Everyone wants to be the Tampa Bay Lightning with Point and Kucherov and Stamkos and Hedman and that firebrand but you have to coach to the talent you have and i just i listen you're taught you talk about mitch on the power play too and i think there's a stigma around being on pp2 when you're making 10 sheets or 11 sheets or whatever he makes i understand there should be but it seems to me that he's in the bumper position right like we talk about that and that's been the whenever he touches the puck it feels like he thinks he needs to do something with it yeah shoot right Shoot. It feels like he's almost like, I got to earn my keep on this baby. As soon as I get the puck, it's going on net. And that's never been his strength in the power play. It's always been that sort of circle off the top of the, off the top of the circle and kind of fire one into the slot to find a stick. That was always Shoots his, at high tips. Yeah. That was always been his strength in the power play. And I just don't think you're putting him in a situation to succeed. Like you said, I don't think the the bumper roll is a good spot for him. And I don't think why we have to keep banging the head against the wall because it works for Braden. I don't, I don't think in 94 with Keenan, I don't think we technically had a practice all year where they got to spend time on the power play. Just said, hey, you're the five best players on our team. Go do your thing. Pretty, pretty much. And, See, and I kind of think that might the, be. The, 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 there were times when I think, uh, you know, we had Dick Todd and Coley Campbell there, uh, assistants for, for Mike, and they would maybe put some clips together on the power play on tendencies of other teams and then bring in your five, six, seven guys and say, here's what they do. What do you think? Yeah. But that's it. There was no emphasis. It really wasn't. Yeah. I think that might be the answer here. So do you guys get the feeling that this is way overcoached? 
That's the question. I'll well, ask you, you know what? I think we're, we're on to something here. That's an important if, question. If you ask me, it looks to me like Mitch Marner, they've, they've boxed him in. They boxed him in. I think that's fair, honestly. I do too. And I, whenever I watch the power play, that's how I feel about it. I'm like, I don't feel like that's a natural position for him to be playing at all. Because you want a guy that shoots there. You don't want him there. It's, he can't really make a pass out of that position like he did in years past. They might be better off in like an overload where you have a you know a guy at the goal line, a guy in front of the net, a guy at the, on the flank, you know, and, and a guy up top sort of rolling around where everyone can move and play and, you know, change sides with it. Right now, it, it does look overcoached. The other, the other sense, it's funny, you, you mentioned maybe a little overcoached, but the other sense that I get is that uh, there's a lot of voices in the players' ears. No doubt. And we've talked about, if you look at the Toronto Maple Leaf staff, and I don't know what the number is of employees, full-time employees from... So many. <laughs> You you would know honestly. You would know. Kipper, it's ridiculous. Tell me, well, well, how how many how many voices are out there, and how many actually get to the players? Well, if we're talking about shrinks, sleep doctors, and you know the other one I heard, guys, was that this was the year that it was less about your own personal skills coach, and it's more about our people. So some of the guys spend a lot more time down at the pr- practice facility with, you know, uh, development coaches. So my understanding, Haley and a few of the others got to work with the players more so than at any time before. Mm-hmm. So when you have a lot of different voices, that's a lot of data. I don't know how much they're absorbing and how much they're not absorbing and how much they're trying new stuff when when uh, it's been, you know, advised or suggested. And it can get a little tough. Like the Leafs, got a, a, point. The Leafs got a lot of chefs in the kitchen right now. And I know we were joking around about the 6 o'clock p.m., uh, but was it that big of a deal to gain one hour? Yeah, at the cost of the inconveniencing of all your fans. I, I, I just, it, it goes to, and I get it. You're the Toronto Maple Leafs. You make a gazillion dollars, and we can't buy one more player. That's it. This is how they want to can't. use their financial might. They so say, why, do, why can't we have a guy who does this? Why can't? We're going to blow our brains out, and we're going to hire extra development people. We're going to sleep doctors, chefs, everything. And it's like... Oh, uh, no, 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 we're not. We're not. We're not going to over, you know, stimulate these guys to the point where they don't know what's up and down. So I just went on to the Toronto Maple Leafs um, team management and coaching page. And before I even get to the player development side of things, there's 32 names in team management and coaching. (laughs) And I haven't even I haven't even counted the player player development. So. Like, I think you can have a lot of specialized stuff, but I really think there's something here about having the over, the overdoing of it. It'd be fun to ask someone who played on Arizona, who plays here now or played somewhere else and be like, what's, how many more people do you hear from in a given week? Talk about office space. Like, you know, I got eight bosses, Bob, eight, eight. That means if I file one TPS report wrong, <laughs> I hear it from eight different people. <laughs> That's literally what's yeah. going on here for every player. So, okay. 
All right, let's take a, a, a break here. Uh, we're gonna we got a lot of lot more to dissect, including the Toronto Maple Leafs in Carolina. Yeah, they actually play. Oh, yeah, it's a good oh, not thing. again. No, it's a good thing. Another game. <laughs> God, I don't know if I can do another Have game, mercy. boys. We've got uh, Sarah Sivian uh, from uh, the Athletic, and she is uh, Carolina's uh, beat writer. Uh, she wrote an article about their social media and the guys and and. Uh, how they've got the green light to pretty much do and say whatever they God, want. Cock and Yemi stuff and Aho, like yeah, man, it's been a lot. So I'm and, interested in talking to her in, in terms of uh, you know where they go from here. But we also know that uh, a Zamboni driver. I don't know if anybody's aware of this uh, story boy. in Toronto, but there was a Zamboni driver that ended up uh, in the NHL, <laughs> <laughs> and he happens to be at the game tonight. He's, he's so, ringing the horn. So does this mean that Carolina's done messing with the Canadians and now they're going to give it to the Leafs tonight with David Ayers in the crowd? Yeah. Pretty that's much. what it means, Kip. 16th and, minute, to, minute of fame here for this guy. Boy, I, I, by the way, I didn't even ask for a text like I was supposed to earlier in the show, boys, and our text line is rather warm this yeah, afternoon. My so, own personal one is. So too. we should maybe get a little bit of involvement at some point throughout the show to get our uh, real Kipper and Bourne listeners involved. But boy, they're hot. Interesting, uh, in the first intermission, uh, they've got a, a segment called To the Point, uh, where Ron and uh, Bieksa and Kelly, Jennifer, talk about different topics. And the one that came up I want to get into coming up next is still the dress code. Let's do that. The dress code just isn't about a dress code. It means so much more, and I do want to get into that. And I want to find an old Lou Lamarillo clip that will tell you everything you need to know about <laughs> the dress code. All right. Coming right back at you on Real Kipper and Born. One of the topics... In the first intermission on Hockey Night in Canada, to the point, was the dress code. Did you catch that segment? I did. And what it means, and it was kind of, it was, I think it was great because you had two different uh, opinions. There's Kelly, there was uh, Kevin and Jennifer, and Jennifer, I think, went first, if I'm not mistaken. And it's more so the the feeling of I think today's players with the wanting to relax it, Justin, and uh, be more uh, comfortable, be more creative, and I think Jennifer used the term uh, expressing themselves. Yeah, you see, like Russell Westbrook become a fashion icon in the right? NBA, and, and, with and, what he's wearing, and it. tell a story. Yeah, right. And then Kevin, little mixture of. Uh, maybe old school where he still likes the professional look, right? Just look. And I think you made a reference or he was referring to somebody that said, it's the national hockey league. It's the best league in the world. Look mm -hmm. professional. And then it just got me thinking in terms of uh, Lou Lamarillo again. And I know we had this conversation a little bit in the past, but I've found a clip of Lou basically talking about indirectly all of what Jennifer was referring to and in, in the expressing themselves and telling their own stories. So 
Have a listen to Lou Lamorello when he was first introduced as the general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs with Brendan Shanahan right beside him. Trying to create where the players are willing to give up their own identity for that logo in front and never mixing what's in back of the jersey and what's in front of the jersey. And that has to be something that is transmitted throughout each and every player, no matter what their abilities are. You know, I've always put a team like an orchestra, and it's all about music. If the music isn't good, no matter how good each and every one instrument is, everybody leaves. Success doesn't come unless each and every one of these individuals are committed to each other, but more important, will do what's necessary to have success, and that's give up their own identity. So there you have it, JB. Boy, you've got Jennifer Botterill representing the the representing the, lots of people. The new lots culture. No, the new culture. Yes. She's representing the new culture. Right. She's representing uh sharing your identity. Lou goes, Hey Jennifer, give it up. Right? Yeah, that's Lou's way, right? That's his thing. So the reason why I bring this all into play here is because I do think it does play into the Toronto Maple Leaf start to this season. Hmm. I really do. And it goes to, uh, again, uh, the philosophy now of where they are in the first six games. And let me take you now into a dressing room because this is where... JB, and you know this, this is where these conversations start. They start with the players. So here they are, the Toronto Maple Leafs. They're coming off, arguably, the worst playoff series maybe in their history. Just one of many awful, painful ones. And the guys in the room now are talking amongst themselves and I don't know where this stems from, but somebody somewhere in that dressing room says, guys, guys, I think part of the reason maybe that we're not doing as well or we lost to Montreal is because of this dress code. I really no think... one said that. <laughs> Justin... You laugh, but in many ways they are. This is the start of the season, mm-hmm. okay? It was important enough for a group of guys to go knock on the door to either Sheldon, Kyle, or Brendan and say, listen, I know we didn't do well in the playoffs, but we want a relaxed dress code. You know what I think happened? I think they saw Austin's quotes in the media and said, oh, oh, I don't know if anyone went to him. I think they saw the media quotes and they felt fear that Austin was like, oh, that Arizona looks pretty good. Not about him leaving, but just about, you know, more appealing options somewhere else. You don't think the players went up to them and asked for them uh, a, a relaxed dress code? You do? A hundred percent. You think the Leafs volunteered the relaxed dress code? I do. I'd be shocked. At that. I'd be absolutely shocked at that. I would be that. shocked if someone went to their office in this season and had the audacity to be like, could we wear shorts? <laughs> like, 
you know, given what they're going through and the gravity of this season. Oh my gosh. So what would be worse? You, what would be worse? Why, why would you offer that to the players? The last thing I would think that they need is to be even more comfortable than they're already feeling. So this hits on a great point too, is that they are caught between identities, this organization and the franchise right now. Lou Lamorello was here and had the tight media, uh, rules right assistant coaches can't talk to anyone and are not allowed to have any insight young players can't talk to any of the media all this protectionism for everyone and you know they want to stay that way dubas kept a lot of these lou era things that were convenient but then they also wanted to be the progressive organization that's going to listen to music at practice and have a relaxed dress code which is it i i, I just assumed that it was the players that went and asked for uh you may be right no, you may be right i mean i hadn't thought of that i, I, I hadn't don't even know. considered that but, someone have the audacity but, to but, ask. But, but here's the biggest point that i want to make regardless who went to who mm-hmm. why is this even a priority why is this important why why is there a focus to start a season on a dress code? I don't get it. But here's the last thing I will say about it is that if I'm Kyle Dubas and you want to express yourselves, let's start on the ice first. Mm-hmm. Okay? When you get to express yourselves with W's and winning a playoff round, or winning a cup, then you can come to me with all your Pascal colors, all you want, yeah. right? Lavender, peach, <laughs> mauve, <laughs> all of them. Yep. Taupe. Definitely. Want but to. let's win first. To no. lose point, let the identity come as a team. Winning first. This whole thing about a dress code to start the season needing to be more relaxed to me says that you guys don't really have your priorities straight. Yeah. You know, everything feels half-baked. The We had Dom Moore on our show maybe two weeks ago and asked him what his take was on the Toronto Maple Leafs. And he said, you know, when Kyle Dubas came in, you know, he thought they wanted to be the analytics team, right? Like, and, you know, four first lines, if you can, speed and skill, talent all throughout the lineup, smart players, that's the way he wanted to go. Leafs, they lose in the playoffs a couple of times, and, uh, you know, everyone sees the uh, the tough teams go far, and he said, okay, well, we need to add a little bit of weight and muscle, a little bit of that old-school grit. They grabbed some of those guys and kind of took one foot in that pool, okay? We're a little bit heavier, we're a little bit tougher, but we're not quite... The, just the analytics and speed skill team anymore. And they never really committed one way or the other. They feel caught. Dom had a great point. They're caught between that identity. They're caught off the ice between this, you know, very serious White House-like PR feel and the guys who are trying to be individuals. And it, they seem caught. What are you? What do you want to be? Which makes, I would think, your players go in yeah. their own separate ways. Pick your camp. You're on Jake Muzzin's team or right. Mitch Marner's team? We can listen to those quotes again if we want. I mean, it's that's whose team you on? And generally, what happens when shit hits the fan? Everybody's going to cover themselves. Yeah, eventually. And I, you hope that they can nip this, that they can stop it right now. But this does have a chance. Like, and I, I'm not 
I don't see after six games a full panic like a lot of people have. But you don't want this snowballing into 15 or 20 games, Justin. Lose the season at that point. A hundred percent. So so you just mentioned something there, Kipper. When is it? What is the number? Because, look, I'd be lying to you if I said I wasn't concerned. And listen, I, I'm pretty jaded towards this Leaf team. Like, it's they've kind of broken my heart a lot over the last six years. So I don't know at what point of the season it's right to start feeling panicked because I'm starting to feel that way already, but that's just me, and that's a lot of Leaf fans too. What's the number? 15, 20, before, 10, what is it? Before we answer that, I want to make it abundantly clear to everybody in social media that, okay, Sheldon and Kyle ain't going anywhere anytime yeah, soon. I agree. Okay? Well, somebody on the text line think they should hire John Tortorella. So. Okay. Oh, just, that's, that's, yeah. where, that's where we're at just, here, boys. Let's, let's just pump the brakes, <laughs> okay? They're not going anywhere. I know it doesn't matter, but he signed, signed an extension like three weeks ago and for two years. MLSE loves Kyle Dubas. Is he a work in progress? Is he a guy that still has to learn? 100%. But they aren't going anywhere anytime soon. Now, saying that, you don't know how this thing can escalate, and you don't know how sometimes it, in this city it, it can it can run like a, a runaway train. Well, and he owned this one okay. by by bringing back the core and saying we're doing the same but thing again. I believe in to it. go to go back to go back to your question, Sammy. I would say that they've got another ten or twelve games to right the ship here. Here's the thing: is that they have a tough three game stretch, right? So right now they have Carolina, and then they get Chicago, Detroit should be gettable. And then I think it's really like three really tough it's games: Be- Boston, Vegas, Vegas, Boston, Boston Tampa. Tampa. And then after that, isn't it super soft after that? I have to look at it, but I just look, I'm just I'm focusing on those but three But once games. you're through there, so you got three games, then you have three really hard games. There's six games. Yeah. It takes you to a dozen on the season. Yeah. you got to make some decisions at that point and be moving yes. in the right direction. And I would believe that before Kyle and Sheldon, well, you know, I, if it got really, really ugly in another 10 to 15 games, then I, I think there's a chance – that they could make a coaching change. That that I, would be. I just don't see it, uh, he, Justin. I don't see it either. Yeah. But like you, you want to go two more weeks without power play. You want to go two more weeks without Austin yeah. and and Mitch Marner not responding. You like, know what's a, a, I, I'm not. I, it is. It is a worst case scenario that it remains the way it is. I don't see it. But you're right. If they, remaining, if they lose six straight games now, I don't see it remaining the same. But yeah. that would be the extent of it. The other one I really believe that's out there for Kyle Dubas is to just eat crow and move somebody. Mm-hmm. Oh, has he been stubborn? Okay, there? I like it. Incredibly stubborn, but he will. They will either Brendan or MLSE board, but someone will say, you need to to shuffle the deck here. You know what, though? He's got to go out the way, if he believes this is it, then he needs to ride it till they tell him he can't run the team anymore. You know, like it... Which which could come. Right. It would be cowardly at this point to say, I believe in this team, and then get six games in and go, ah. You, You, Kyle played his last, this is just part of the process. Yeah. That 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 card has been played, and it's gone now. So if it does continue to a certain extent, 
his next move will have to be shuffling the deck on on the on the four forwards that are making over 40 million bucks. You know, I, we both just said we don't think Kyle or Sheldon's going to go, but like those players are just so hard to move. You can't get anything for Mitch Marner at 11 million. Yeah, I don't contract. believe that for one second. Um, I, I don't believe that for one second. You know, I, eh? I think that the, there would be a deal out there. I mean, he's for 24 Mitch years old and was a top five scorer last year. It's, I mean, 11 mil is a lot of money, but. Anyway, I was going to say that, like, were there a world where they could find Sheldon disposable? It was that they decided they just have to hang on to these four contracts and someone has to get these guys going. But So I, I saw a tweet today uh, from our Luke Fox that said, Frederick Anderson and Austin Matthews had dinner and watched football together last night. Oh, I don't like your tone. They faced, <laughs> they faced, they face off tonight. <laughs> now we all love Luke Fox here. Oh yeah. Right. We all love him. Yeah. Does great work, but I'm just, I'm looking at his uh, tweets over the last little while. And I, you know, has four likes and 20 likes and nine likes. This one blew up. And this one has like 1,600 <laughs> likes. <laughs> I, I want to be mad about this, but I just can't. I, like, listen, I want to be this mad This is about something it. my coaches would have been mad at me for, that I'm like, are you serious? You think this matters? Do you think I'm not going to try tomorrow night because I like a guy on the other team? Yeah, nah. Does it matter who I eat dinner with the I night th- before a hockey game? I think he'd want to score even more. What is wrong with you guys? No, I can't care about this one. I can. Nah. This bugs me. <laughs> no, Why? He's supposed to game pay right now. You just want him at home, gritting his teeth, just waiting for puck drop. They're best buds. Going for a sandwich, Kipper. I got no problem. I mean, we 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 read the ESPN article there. They spend yeah. the summers together, right? They're boys. When uh, Emily wrote the article, Frederick Anderson was there. They like to express themselves as individuals. You didn't get enough. <laughs> you, it's not enough that you spent the summer together. You gotta. You got a first road trip? Yeah. No, I'm sorry, but, like, if you're going to spend time on the road and bond, I'd like you to do it with my te- your own teammates first. I will say, I okay? don't think that your point is ridiculous. I do think that when you're struggling like this, if you're on the road and you're out to dinner, maybe it might not be a bad idea to grab. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. And I'm not saying anyone. I've just done it. Anyone. I've played. I, I I had dinner with my roommate uh, when he got moved to St. Louis. Uh, Steve Leach. Bet you tried the next. It night. happens. Bet you still tried. Well, I'll tell you what didn't happen though. The whole world didn't know about it. Okay, and I tell you what, if 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 it did get out, I'd feel a little not a little right about it. Yeah. Not not right about it. Because that stuff needs to be low-key. It doesn't need to be brought out on social media. And from a leap perspective, you just got your asses handed to you Saturday night. And you don't look like a close team. Yeah, maybe you and the boys need to go have a maybe couple. Maybe you guys should all get together. And it's, it's my point is that I want you with your teammates figuring this out going into tonight. I don't you know need what your you. argument's so good now I'm mad about I, it. I don't I don't need you. <laughs> Still I, don't care. I don't need you with a member of Carolina all night yeah. reminiscing. I need you to figure it out. You think you think uh when Matthews is talking with Freddie's going, ah, things are great, bud. 
Like, you know, they're going That's like, a great question. He's going, Freddie, you don't nothing's think, changed. You, nothing's changed. The power play's a joke. They got... You, uh, you know, like, hey, how's how's things in Leafland? Freddie's going. Yeah, they're they're having a laugh at the same thing. And if they're always... really best friends, you're not you're not pulling the wool over his eyes and telling him everything's great. They're making that Uber with the Ottawa Senators look. Oh, comp- they're making it look 100%. complimentary. Listen, no good, no good that getting out. Uh, if you can keep it under wraps, that's great. But in this world, you can't. Yeah. My whole point in all of this is, again. I want you with your teammates trying to figure this out. I don't think you can do it. so much time together all year. I, I think the guys played golf, didn't they, Carolina? Anyway. You can spend all the time you want, but you haven't figured it out yet. So spend more time. Okay? <laughs> you you spent like 100 hours. How about 110? But figure it out and do it with your own teammates. Here's the biggest issue I have. If I'm Austin or even Leaf Management, is like, how does it get to Luke Fox? And I don't know if it was public. I don't know if uh, another report. I don't know who originally broke that. I, I bet Austin he, volunteered. No, it. I think he told them in the scrum. Yeah. He's like, yeah, good to see my buddy yesterday. Yeah. You think, think he told them in the scrum? I think so. I, I think, I, think no, Matt, I don't know. Matthews is at the point where he doesn't I'm care. Asking. He's challenging people. He's like, I dare you to care about this. Make an 11 6, bud. See, again, I, I, to me, if he doesn't care, then that's not great. It's not great. And it goes back to my dress code. I mean, like, you've got veterans in there. You got, you got Tavares and you got Jason Spezza, who's been in the league for, what, 15, 17 years. If someone's concerned about the dress code, why don't you, you, one of those veterans got to turn around, guys. Guys, get your priorities straight, okay? It's not... Wear your three-piece Armani we, suits we, we with just, your... Cam we, we, we just lost to our rival in one of the most humiliating playoff rounds. The dress code's not important right now. It's not important. Okay, let's win first. But I, I'd, I'd be disappointed if, if Austin volunteered that information. I would. I'd just be like, you, you don't have to share that with the public. Mm-hmm. Okay, you don't. You know, this is one of those things, though, Kipper. It's like if Hutch stops a, a couple on Saturday, on Friday night, and they win 3-2... And they're three, two, and one right now. Do we care less about this sort of thing? Is it like you lose? You start looking for things. The only thing is, is if you think it's coincidental or it's linked and tied. And I'm I, a, I, I, I am, I am a believer where there's, where there's, you know, sometimes smoke, there's fire. I, I wouldn't be were there not years of history here, and with the years of history, I will hear your argument.